guys. It's so good to be here, and I'm so excited and humbled. <laughs> and I'm really excited for what God is going to do with us this morning. And He is so here. He is here, and He's here to change lives and completely change perspectives. So a couple of months ago, um, our family was traveling back from Durban, and I suddenly noticed that uh, the momentum of our car kind of slowed down a bit. And I looked up, my husband was driving, don't worry, not me. And I noticed that there was a truck, massive truck in front of us, a massive truck to our left, a massive truck to our right, a massive truck behind us. And we were like wedged in and we had to go at their pace. We had to go at their momentum. And the Lord just spoke to me so powerfully in that moment where it was like everywhere I looked, all I could see was dark and dingy trucks. Everything that I heard was just this droning rumbling of these trucks. They were so loud. And we had to match our pace to fit with the truck's pace. And then a gap opened and we took it and the momentum completely changed. We were able to go at a momentum that we were happy with and we were going places. And the sound of those droning trucks we left behind us. And all of a sudden I became aware of the most incredible views, just amazing views. And I feel like that is what God's going to do with us this morning, that so many of us have been stuck in that momentum of what the enemy has done in terms of distractions, delay, and just attacks. And even what society is saying, even what relationships are saying, or finances, whatever it is, God wants to bring his fullness to you today. So are you up for that? <laughs> cool. Can we turn to Numbers 13? If you have your Bibles, Numbers 13. So to give some background, we meet Moses and the Israelites here. And they have just experienced God setting them free in the most incredible way. So they have watched him take out their enemies. They have watched him send, send plague after plague, miracle after miracle to get their enemies' attention and to finally release them. Then they have watched the sea completely open for them, be able to walk through the sea and then watch their enemies be completely taken out. Not only that, they have watched um, quail and manna be provided for them where there was no food in the desert. They have had a pillar of fire. They have had a cloud by day. They have had God's faithfulness shown to them over and over and over again. And we catch up with them here in chapter 13 where they are literally standing outside their promised land, the land that God has for them, that he's promised to them. So let's read. The Lord says, said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites, and these are their names. I'm not going to read all of them, but I want to draw your attention to verse 6. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and the Verse 8, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun. And then we skip to verse 16. It says, these are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. 
Then they go and explore the land, and then they come back with this report. We drop down to verse 27. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And to end the reading, chapter 14, verse 6. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. What a story. So, talking about the Israelites, I just want to remind us of something. That they had been in slavery and had been slaves for generations it's thought to be about 430 years where the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptian. So this was a generational thing about being in slavery. Their mindset was, we are slaves. Their identity was, we are slaves. And they, they felt like they had very little worth. In the Bible, we are told that they were ruthlessly overworked. They were familiar and marked by suffering, hardship, and hard labor. And Yet, God's favor was on them, and so they just grew in number. And then they had to endure watching the massacre of their baby boys being thrown into the Nile. These people knew suffering. And they were just trying to survive each day. They were just trying to get through each day. They were just trying to make it through. All we need to do is survive. We just need to make it to the next day. And all of us here, I think in some degree, can relate to that feeling, especially with COVID coming, with deaths, financial strain, maybe it's marital problems, strains in all directions. We can all relate to that feeling of, I just need to survive. I'm, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other, and I don't know how much more of this I can take. I want to remind you this morning that in verse 1, we see very clearly that this is the Lord's idea. 
that he is always about redemption. He is always about restoration. And he is always about bringing his fullness to his children and his people. It's not good enough that his children were left to suffer with no aid. So he sends Moses. It's not good enough for them to be heavily burdened. It's not good enough that he rescued them from their captor and took them out. It's not even good enough that he has provided for all their needs and they have manna and quail literally coming out of their ears. He wants to move them into a place of abundance, a place of fullness where they can rest in who they are and who their God is. He wants to take you from merely surviving to thriving. Life with God is not about, um, sorry, you see, life with God is about living life to the full. It doesn't mean that there's no suffering. You know that. I know that. They knew that. It means living in the fullness of who he is during that. We have the peace, joy, self-control, patience, kindness, fruitfulness, no matter what the circumstances. This was always the Lord's idea. And we read that he tells Moses, he says, go and send these men to explore the land. Why does he do that? Because he could have just said, this is the land I'm giving you. Get ready. You're going to take it now. He doesn't. He first sends men to go and explore the land. Obviously, there's practical reasons. They wanted to see where they grew and what grew there. They wanted to see where the men were. Perhaps so when God said, do this, they would be ready and know. It's getting ready for the new move of God. But I believe there's so much more in this that this was an invitation from God for them to gain a higher perspective to be reminded of who he is and what he has done for them, that he is so exceedingly good that not only has he done all of that, but look what he has for us right now. Look how good this land is. This is insane. This is amazing, guys. It is flowing with milk and honey. Look at all these things and look at these people, but it's okay. He's giving it to us. Get ready. Stir your faith up. Worship this incredible God that we have. That is the invitation. And this is always the invitation to us when hardships come. The second thing I want to draw your attention to is something I've never noticed before, which is the name change that takes place. Hoshea, son of Nun, his name is changed to Joshua. Hoshea means desire for salvation. This was the cry of generation upon generations in the slavery. We need rescuing. We desire salvation. We need to be saved. Rescue us. Save us. And this prophetic act of Moses in changing his name to Joshua is huge. Joshua literally means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. They were living in the middle of the ma a massive revival. They were living in the fulfillment of revival coming to them and God's promises being fulfilled to them. And so it is very fitting that the desire for salvation has to change to the Lord is our salvation. He is the one who is doing it. He is fulfilling it. And I believe this morning that God wants to change some of your names from simply surviving to thriving. 
We, we listened to Craig last week about pulling cloaks off that don't belong to us. And the word that I gave about the car taking that gap and getting their full momentum, that is what God wants to do this morning. So in verse 27, they give this report. And they start off and they say, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. Yay, like, good, they can see that it is a land flowing with milk and honey, and this should have been a massive clue. <laughs> like God had said, firstly, I'm giving you this land, and secondly, it will be a land, what? Flowing with milk and honey. Surprise, surprise, it's flowing with milk and honey. This is amazing. This should stir their faith of, like, God's incredible timing and purposes. And yet, but comes in. They basically go on to list every single enemy that live, lives there and say how powerful they are. The people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large and they list all the descendants of every single enemy. They gave some facts but these were just completely fueled by their fears. Notice how they give such little airtime to the fact that the, the land was good. And how much airtime they give to how scared they are about their enemies. And also, I noticed that they say, we went, they say to Moses, we went to the land that you sent us. Actually, God sent them. We've just read that God told Moses to send these men. It was God's idea. And there's no mention of God being with them at all. So they were saying, it is good, but our perspective is full of fear. How are we going to survive this? Are you crazy? Look how strong they are. Are you mad? Do you know who I am? I can't do this. That is their perspective. And maybe some of us <clears throat> feel like this this morning. I just can't go on anymore. I can't do this. This thing that I'm struggling with, it just, it's not, nothing's happening. I don't know what to do. I just feel like I'm surviving. Verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Notice how he first silenced them. What voices need to be silenced in your life right now? What are the voices which are holding you back? You need to silence the voice of the enemy and then speak the truth. And cling to him. Caleb shows us that it is possible to have a different perspective. He grew up in the very same slavery and suffering and hardship and pain. So what is different? Was he better than them? Was he more righteous than them? Was he just this perfect person that when we look at them, we think they have no faults or no difficulties? Was he one of those people? No. Caleb didn't disagree with the majority. 
He wasn't living in ignorance or denial of the facts that they were great in size and there was a, a hectic number of them, that they were a powerful force to be reckoned with. He doesn't even try and put a positive spin um, on the reality of the enemy. Caleb and Joshua saw the events through completely different lenses, a higher perspective, God's perspective. They were filled with faith, whereas the majority was controlled with fear. And we see this in verse 31. After Caleb says, we can certainly do it, they come back and they say, our enemy is stronger. They actually first say, we can't do it. Then they say, our enemy is stronger. The land devours all those in it. They are of great size. Conclusion, we are grasshoppers, and they see us as grasshoppers. Hang on a second. <laughs> they are stronger. Have you forgotten who your God is? What he has just done for you? How is this possible that they still have this mindset? After seeing plagues, after plagues, after plagues, after plagues, after plagues. I could go on 12 times. And how they were set free from the enemy. Not only that, they saw the sea part. And they saw their enemies drowning. Not only that, they've seen a pillar of fire. And they've seen a cloud <laughs> follow them. Not only that, they have got water from a rock. They've got quail. They have got manna. The list goes on and on. The land devours those living in it. Really? Did they actually see that? Did they actually see the land devour everyone living in it? It doesn't even make sense what they're saying. When they are so fueled by fear, nonsense comes out. You see, and they say, you know, they are of a great size. Fine. They are of a great size. It's factual. They are of a great size. That's, that's a fact. But they say, we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And they see us in the same way. Did they ask the people? Did they actually say, what do you think of those Israelites over there? Because I can guarantee you that news travels fast. These people would have heard that this, this, these people, you better watch out because their God contends with those who contend with them. They would have perhaps seen the pillar of fire from a distance approaching them, the cloud, the, the millions of manna and quail that kept coming over and over again. They would have heard about the sea that was just split in two, that these Egyptians were just annihilated in that, in that sea. I can guarantee you that these people would be shook of, these, of the Israelites. And we see that when Caleb says their protection is gone. Their protection is gone. Why? Because the Lord is with us. You can see that their identity, they literally tell us right now that their identity was that they were grasshoppers. What are grasshoppers? Well, they're irritating, useless things that you can squash underfoot and spray with doom. It's like they're nothing. They're, they're like, ugh, whatever, of no consequence. That is the identity that they still have. This is the slavery identity. This is the slavery mentality. We have no worth. No one is with us. This is how we see ourselves. And they see ourselves the same way. No. They don't. You see yourself that way. And God is coming to change your perspective. How do you see yourself? How do you see your God? 
You see, the fact was that the enemy was strong and great in size, intimidating. The truth, God has given us this land. He cannot fail. He will go with us. He will fight for us. He is our refuge. He is strong. He is faithful. He is good. He is compassionate. And he is for us. And he will do it. They had the same facts, but had completely different conclusions. Faith does not deny, dispute, or ignore the facts. It simply understands that the facts and the truth can be very different things. The majority had the facts, but they left God completely out of the equation. When we leave the Lord out of the equation, our perspective will always be wrong. The opposition will always seem greater, the obstacles bigger. And what you magnify in your mind will simply grow. If 99% of those around you say one thing, but God's word says the other, always side with the 1%. We see Caleb and Joshua do just that. In chapter 14, verse 7, they give their report and they say, the land God is giving us is exceedingly good. It is so good, guys. You don't understand how good. This is the faith that God wanted. This is the report that should have come. The Lord will lead us into that land. And then he reminds them again. The land flowing with milk and honey. Hello, guys. Like, this is it. Open your eyes. How many times do we have to tell you? This is the land that God is giving us. It's flowing with milk and honey. We've seen it with our own eyes. And the Lord will give it to us. He's giving it to us. It's a free gift. Do not rebel. Do not be afraid. We will devour them. Their protection is gone. Do not be afraid. Notice how he says, do not be afraid twice. Fear has the ability to shift your perspective. Do not rebel. They were rebelling against the Lord. Why? Because they had forgotten who he is and who they were. And they were choosing a different perspective. In the face of an incredibly hard past with hefty opposition before them, two men chose to believe who God is and who they were to him. They believed his promises to them. How? Because they knew him. They knew his character. And they trusted in his promises. They trusted in who he said he is. They knew their worth to him and that he would not forsake them now. They chose to believe his voice over the majority's fear. Remember the name change I mentioned earlier, where we have a shear, which is this cry for salvation. And Moses changed that name to Joshua, which means the Lord is our salvation. He is saving us. I just love this so much because Joshua in Hebrew is Yeshua, which is Jesus. Jesus is our salvation. In every circumstance, in everything you're going through, He is your salvation. He is your promised land. He is your rest. 
He is your promised land. What he bought for you at Calvary on that tree where he bled and died for you, it was so that you would never have to know separation from his father like he did on that cross. God thought it was more important that he be separated from his own son so that you would never be separated from him, not for one second. And some of us feel like we're not living in the fullness of that. We feel like we're stuck outside the promised land. We know kind of what God's done for us, we forget often. And yet there's this promised land that we want to be living in, the fullness of what Jesus has brought for us. He is our greater Moses who leads us from death to life. And we have complete access to the Father. You know, in the Old Testament, there used to be this place in the tent called the Holy of Holies. And only the priests could go in. And, you know, sometimes it w- the Spirit would be poured out on individual people. Do you know that you are the Holy of Holies? That when the temple <laughs> curtain was torn... It's because his presence has come to live in you, that you are the temple of the Father, and he is with you right now. Havila Cunnington says, we believe our struggle is with the behavior of sinning, but really it's with the process of renewal. We forget who our God is, and in so doing we forget who we are. I'm going to read something written by S.M. Lockridge. It's called, That's My King. And I want to remind us who our king is. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tired. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is the key of knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He is the doorway of deliverance. He is the pathway of peace. He is the roadway of righteousness. He is the highway of holiness. He is the gateway of glory. He is the master of the mighty. He is the captain of the conquerors. He is the head of the heroes. He is the leader of the legislators. He is the overseer of the overcomers. He is the governor of governors. He is the prince of peace. He is the prince of princes. He is the king of kings. 
kingdoms. He's the Lord of lords. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you that the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind and you can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree and Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. That is your father. That is your God. That is your father. I can feel his presence. (laughs) When we see our father, we see with true perspective and we see our true worth to him. You know, Psalm, 20, um, Psalm 139 is the most incredible psalm. Just go read it about the knowledge that God has for you. And in it, there's a part that says, Every one of your days was recorded in a book before you were born. Guys, there's a book about you that's been written. Every single day of your life has been written. And it's in a book. And the author is your father. What peace. He's got you. (laughs) He always wins, guys. (laughs) He wants to give you a new and higher perspective. The government is upon his shoulders. He is the only one that was worthy to open the scroll the line of Judah and the lamb that was slain. In heaven, there was a crying out in Revelations 5, saying, who is worthy? There's no one worthy. And then he comes, the line of Judah, and he opens the scroll, and then he looks like a lamb that had been slain. He is the only one who is worthy. I want to read to you now who you are in Christ. Because we've heard about who God is This is who you are. You are God's child. You are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. You are delivered. You are called. You are the righteousness of God. You are chosen. You are elect. You are established to the end. You are victorious. You are set free. You are strong in the Lord. You are dead to sin. You are more than a conqueror. You are joint heirs with Christ. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are in Christ Jesus by His doing. You are accepted and beloved. You are complete in Him. You are crucified with Christ and you've been made alive with Christ. You are free from condemnation and guilt. You are reconciled to God in every way. You are qualified to share in his inheritance. You are firmly rooted, built up, and established. You are born of God. You are his faithful follower. You are his disciple. You are the light of the world, and you are the salt of the earth." The kingdom of God always moves in the opposite vein. We've heard Isaiah 61 shared many times over the last three weeks. The year of the Lord's favor. 
And it's the opposite. What's happening? God brings the opposite. Where we see death, he sees life. Where we see sickness, he sees healing. Where there's brokenness, there is wholeness. Where there's fear, there is peace. Where there's lack, there is abundance. Where there's survival, there's revival. Where there's loneliness, there's acceptance. He wants you to see things from his vantage point. To take your place seated with him. What fear is controlling you today that you've been justifying as wisdom? What has been holding you back? Where have you lost true perspective? This is not about being perfect. It's just not. We are jar clays of jar, whatever, <laughs> filled with the treasure of Jesus. It's about surrendering every part to him and yielding to him in every way. And he will fill you to overflowing. We have one who identifies with every part of us in Hebrews 4. It talks about how he knows suffering. He knows he knows what it's like to be tempted, and he knows what it's like to feel pain. He was a man of sorrow, familiar with suffering. 2 Corinthians 12 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. I believe that God is shaking the earth right now in a way that we've never seen before because he's bringing a revival that we could only dream of happening. And it calls us to live from a higher perspective. The time is now. In closing, the men who believed that they would never make it into the promised land never did. They never saw the fulfillment of God's abundant life for them. The men who did believe what God said and that they could take it, they got into the promised land, into the fulfillment of what God had for them because of their perspective do you believe what he says? Do you believe him? And do you know him? Will you choose a higher perspective?